Welcome to the Enlightening Motherhood Podcast. Here you will find a non-judgmental community offering support to mothers raising children with extra challenges. This community was created for you to empower moms who love their children deeply, but are also feeling frustrated, overwhelmed, or just plain stressed out. We are the place for moms who are sometimes feeling at the end of their rope and are looking for hope and light. Join us as we help you enlighten motherhood. Hey everyone, this is Emily. Today we're going to talk about processing negative experiences and especially why it's really important to help our children do and then why it's important to help ourselves do it as well. Okay, start out with a little story here. When one of my boys was around four years old, I went without my husband and with all three of my children at that time to swim at a friend's house. My baby at that age, he was just outgrowing his colicky stage. My friend and her older children were very helpful with my older boys. And so when the baby went to sleep in my arms by the side of the pool, I was so happy and grateful to stay holding him while my friend and their children helped my other kiddos get ready to go. Okay, so after all the children got out, I took the life vest off my four-year-old and then I turned around to grab shoes in a bag, turned back, and he had walked straight into the pool, right into the water that was way over his head. And though it was just a split second of observation, I, I still remember what it looked like. He just had his arms shot out straight in the air and this super surprised expression on his face his eyes open wide and he was just kind of looking around like wondering what do I do now it was terrifying even for that split second um thankfully my friend's daughter was quick to jump in and she pulled him out before I could even reach the pool even though I was just at the side of it but he was surprised and nervous but strangely he didn't really seem scared I tried to use the experience to teach him the severity of what could have happened right, in the hopes that he wouldn't ever do it again. But then later that summer, we were swimming at his grandma's and it happened again. After we had taken his life vest off and right before heading into my mother-in-law's house, he again just walked. It's like he forgot he had his life vest on. He walked straight into the pool and he um, again had just this super surprised look on his face, arms straight in the air, looking around, didn't know what to do. It was just so terrifying that he didn't know to turn and get out of the pool. But anyways, my main goal at that time was again, to help him see how dangerous it was, because honestly, it really was. And um, I remember both times how worry-free he seemed to be about the water. And I just tried to, I wanted him honestly to be a bit more scared. So I kind of laid it into him like, about how scary and dangerous it was. And we didn't really talk about it. We didn't process it. I just wanted him to know, don't do this. Don't go near the water without a life vest. You can drown if you go in the water without a life vest, et cetera. And then I don't think we really talked about it much after that. And I didn't know at the time that not talking about the experiences themselves, and this might be the case for many other intense experiences that your child has had, that was actually a very big mistake. Okay, but here's what I did know. The next summer, he wouldn't even get into the shallow end of the pool. He would hardly put his feet in while sitting on the edge, even with a life vest, even with me holding his hand, even with me like holding him, trying to get him into the pool. He was utterly terrified. And at that point in time, he could speak really well. So this wasn't a language issue, but he could not tell me why he was terrified. He couldn't describe it at all. He was extremely emotional. He was scared. He was screaming. He was crying. He was clinging. He was even clawing. I mean, like... <laughs> 
seriously. I wanted him to be careful, but now he was like completely irrational. And I used to say, it's, it's like just the memory of the emotion surrounding the water has stayed, but the actual memory of what happened with the water, it's like that didn't. And I didn't know at the time just how accurate that was. Um, listening to an episode in of the podcast Beyond the Picket Fence, I remember hearing someone say that trauma is a distressing situation that happens fa- faster than your brain can process it. Okay, so fast, sorry, faster than your brain can process it. If you haven't figured it out by now, <laughs> I love brain science. So this was something I wanted to delve into a little bit. I especially love brain science that is simple, easy to understand, and incredibly relevant and helpful for daily life, especially for motherhood. In The Whole Brain Child, a book by Dr. Siegel and Bryson, they explain that we have memories that are embedded in the brain, but we can't explicitly recall. Our brain actually has a special part If you want the technical term, it's called the hippocampus, but don't worry if you can't remember that. (laughs) In any case, our brain has a special part whose job is to integrate our implicit and explicit memories together. So the ones that we can consciously remember and the ones that are just kind of automatically there, but we're not fairly consciously aware of. So we have the special part that helps to integrate both of those types of memories together. And also, if you remember from episode number 31, one half of our brain, the right half, is more responsible for emotional learning, while the left half is more responsible for logical, literal, list type of learning. When we have a memory that has a very high, very intense emotion or emotions attached to it, but we don't take the time to kind of make sense of those emotions, the memory stays as an implicit, implicit emotional based memory that doesn't really have any logic to it. Hey, so I love the analogy here of puzzle pieces. Memories can kind of enter your child's brain like separate puzzle pieces. They may seem a bit scattered and out of place, maybe even random and frustrating. By helping them piece them together into a cohesive memory, and sometimes you need to do this several times, then you can help them to make sense of all those random pieces. Then they understand better why maybe they have anxiety surrounding dogs or apprehension about a ride to school or reservations about going to the dentist or, in my case, extreme fear when at the pool. You following me here? Let's let's delve a little bit more into this. PhoenixSociety.org explains that when a person experiences something traumatic, Adrenaline and other neurochemicals rush to the brain and paint a picture there. The traumatic memory loops in the emotional side of the brain, disconnecting from the part of the brain that conducts reasoning and cognitive processing. Okay, so it's housed in that emotional side of the brain. It's disconnected from our reasoning and processing. So sometimes when our child undergoes a traumatic event, such as a car accident, being bullied at school, an unpleasant experience at the dentist, or in my case, walking into the deep end of the pool by accident, we don't want to dwell on that negative event. So we try to brush it away and distract them with happier thoughts, right? Sometimes we do that, like, 
oh good you're out of the pool don't ever do that again that was dangerous hey okay let's get over that let's move on to something happy and not worry about that really scary thing that happened because we just want to move on now right or maybe they're in that car accident and you're like yes there was that car accident hey but let's not worry about it let's go play okay these are fabulous intentions and I totally get them, right? Like, obviously I get them. But unfortunately, what I've learned is that they aren't really serving our child in the long run. What will actually serve them the most is to help them make logical sense out of those big feelings, right? So instead of having these mysterious big feelings about being in a car, traveling to school, going to the dentist for a checkup, going swimming, etc., they can then better understand why they have those big feelings. And then in understanding why they have them, they are better able to make sense of them. And then we can actually address the root problem. So for me, once I was able to sit with my son, got his attention, we were both calm. This was a good time to speak about something serious. And then I helped him understand exactly what happened. We replayed the scenario several times over. I explained all the details. If there was a part that he was um, uncomfortable with, we skipped over that a little bit. We we kind of fast forwarded in the story. We went to the parts he was comfortable with, but then we went back and we rewound and we went to the, we, we kept going until he was able to understand all of the parts of it. Then he was able to actually make sense out of his fears. And then he was, finally willing to go in the pool again and this time thankfully for me and and for him like for everyone involved now he knows and he's very good about always wearing his life vest and going with an adult okay swimming lessons are going to be hard for that one but (laughs) one step at a time right one step at a time okay so if your child is in a car accident talk it through with them talk through what was going on before the accident during the accident, after it. Try to help them recall as many details as possible. And I also like to make sure that they see that there was a happy ending. Yes, there was a rough during, but there was a happy ending. Well, sometimes there's not. So I guess you need to be honest with them, but that they're okay right now, right? They're safe right now, but in the end, they are safe. In any case, you want to help them make logical sense of it. This can also help them separate the accident from the before and after, right? Which otherwise would likely be implicitly lumped with that emotional, illogical memory. So maybe if they had a car accident while they're on their way to school, now they're afraid of going to school. Or maybe they're afraid of just getting ready to go on road trips, right? Do you see how this is all linked together? But they don't have a logical reason why until they're able to put all of those puzzle pieces together and realize, oh, I'm afraid when it comes time to get ready for a road trip because I once got into this big car accident. And now I understand what happened. I understand that I ended up being safe. My seatbelt protected me and that I can have the same safety measures in place this time. Hope you get where I'm going here with this. So again, it can help them separate the accident from the before and after, which otherwise would likely be just lumped into that emotional, illogical, implicit memory because they didn't have the logic to attach it to. And then that can lead to those emotional, illogical fears. Okay, I hope that you can see how this applies to so, so many areas. If you want another really cute example, 
when my first son was barely learning to talk. It was cute. We spoke to him primarily in Spanish, although most of, actually all of our extended family speaks English. I don't know if it was that or just him being cute the way he was. He kind of had his own little language. His word for cactus was sa, and then dedo, it meant finger. We were walking out in the desert in southern Arizona where we lived at the time, and my husband was showing him different cactuses and making sure to tell him, don't touch the cactus, don't touch the cactus. And if you touch that cactus, your finger will hurt and all those things. And being a curious little kid, he just had to, and he went up to a barrel cactus, which if you know those, those have like a really beastly spine on them. And he touched it and it hurt him a lot. And for probably the next week or two, he would want to tell this story in his own little words. And he would tell us, and we'd say, yeah, remember when that cactus, it pricked your finger? And then he'd go, dedo. He'd say, yes, it, it hurts your day, it hurts your finger. And he'd want to tell it over and over, like, Teto. yeah, you touched that cactus and it hurts your finger. And we replayed that through with him. And he didn't have an illogical fear surrounding cactuses. We didn't know at the time that <laughs> what we were doing was so incredibly good for his brain. We honestly just thought it was super cute that he wanted to, to tell us all the time as this cute little toddler. But now looking back, it was actually really a very good thing for him and for his brain. By the way, you might have noticed so far, we've only been talking about your child, but this can totally apply to you too. If you have a child with some intense emotions and have had to deal with some of their intense behaviors, you might have some of this going on with you also, right? It definitely helps. If you can process the event after the fact. So have you ever noticed how you feel almost compelled to tell someone about a hard day you've had or how you seem to feel much better after journaling about a really tough episode with your child? Boom. Here's the reason. It's helping you to process that negative experience. Okay. You too have these little random puzzle pieces floating in your head. And you too can have them stored in that emotional side of your brain as implicit memories that aren't quite logical. You can also benefit by helping your brain put them all together. Journaling, going through the story in your own head, retelling it to a trusted person, that's my very favorite one. But all of these things will help you to process it. Okay, need to put in a little caveat here. I do still recommend that you are careful and intentional in how you choose to process it. Okay. For example, I don't feel like it's a good idea. You make your choices as always, choose what works for you and discard the rest. But I don't think it's a good idea for your child to hear you complaining about something like, oh, she's just so awful right? While she is in earshot. I also try really hard to protect my, protect, protect and respect my child's privacy. And I don't really want to smear these hard times that they're, even though it was a hard time for me too, it's also a hard time for them. And I don't want to like smear it all over my social media. This is why I rarely give a lot of personal details on my podcast or social media about my specific children and their specific meltdowns. 
unless I've talked to them first and gotten their permission. Okay. But like, trust me, I totally get it. I get what it's like to have a child who learned in school. Ugh. A child who learned at school that he shouldn't put paper clips in electrical sockets or else the house could burn down. And to have a kind of child who came home from school that day and experimented with doing just that. And then to have that child completely explode when he gets yelled at because I hadn't yet learned how to stay calm in those situations either. So I end up triggering his meltdown. He ends up melting, completely exploding. Violent explosion. This is just like a super traumatic event. Yes, I get it. <laughs> I get what it's like to have those hard times. I also still believe that processing them will help us. And processing in a good way will help us. Or an effective way that doesn't har cause harm in the process. Not proud of it, but I used to... Um, this was like years ago in my mothering, years and years ago. But when I had a hard time with my first kid and I didn't understand, I thought that he was just intentionally being bad. I didn't understand so much of what I know now about like looking for root causes to behaviors that aren't pleasant and such. But I remember I would, I would pick up the phone and call my mom right there in front of him and complain about him to her or when my husband got home I would say all of these awful things that that kid did right in front of him and I really believe it was damaging for our relationship there is repair right and I've worked on rebuilding our relationship and so it's not like I caused any permanent damage but I really wish I had find a more found a more positive way to process or a way to process that did not involve dragging my child down in the, in that processing of it. Okay. So in any case, I am definitely a safe year. Right now, I'm actually working on creating a safe community where you can join and learn from like-minded moms who are facing similar challenges. I'm, I really want it to be an area where we are ready to learn and grow together. But until that program is up and running, you're totally welcome to message me on Instagram or Facebook where you can send me an email, just head over to enlighteningmotherhood.com and then click on contact. You can send me a message. I read every single one. I will not have negative judgments if you've had a hard time with your kids. And I get it. <laughs> okay, so also in episode four, Ashley talks about a time when she was journaling, which again is fabulous to do with those high stress moments. And she talks about the judgment and isolation she felt while dealing with some of the challenges of raising children with intense emotions. It is a great episode, and I'll reiterate what she said there. You are actually not alone. It can feel so terribly isolating raising children with some extra challenges, but please remember, you are doing your best. Your child is doing their best. Know that you are not alone. You are loved and cared about exactly as you are. So to wrap it up, negative, traumatic, overwhelming experiences, either of your child or <laughs> that you've experienced that haven't been fully processed, can sit in the brain like puzzle pieces and cause seemingly 
illogical intense emotions related to certain situations. Processing these experiences, explaining them, giving a logical big picture to these intense emotions, seeing what happened before and after, etc. It can help your child and it can help you to make sense of them. And then you have a much better starting point for how to address them, how to move on, how to handle those times when those seemingly illogical, intense emotions might pop up. Okay. As always, I'd love to hear how this is going for you. You can also leave a review letting me know your takeaway and or any questions you might have. We always appreciate every review that someone leaves on our page. But even if you don't, we are so happy to have you join us each week. Thank you for listening and have a beautiful week. Raising a child with intense emotions and behaviors can seem so challenging sometimes. I get it. The good news is you can learn to show up calm and in control even when your child is misbehaving. Come join my How to Stop Yelling at Your Kids workshop so I can help you get there. Register at enlighteningmotherhood.com forward slash stop yelling. And I'll go ahead and stick that link in show notes.